The following is audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you would like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org. We're continuing our Christmas series. Uh, The big words are around the sanctuary for us today, love and peace and joy and hope. Last week we looked at hope. And we talked about our hope in Jesus Christ. It's a very theological hope. It's, it's not just a hope in hope. And, and it's a very substantial one because when we put our hope in the Lord, he gives us strength. And it's very foundational. It's based on the truth of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we were born again unto a living hope. And as long as Jesus is alive, we have hope. And he's alive forever. So we have an everlasting hope. We also have an ontological hope, which is based on reality, and we, and we praise God for that, and that the scriptures set the tone for us, and also eschatological, that we have a future to look forward to, and it's a certain future because we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, today, we're going to think about love, and so we have a video for you to prompt us in this regard. Mom. Dad. I'm pregnant. You think she said it like that? (laughs) Almost like, here it is, deal with it. And by the way, your grandson, he'll be the son of the most high God. (laughs) Yeah, how, how do you even say that? (sighs) The angel told her not to be afraid. And Mary, well, We know she was faithful. So maybe, maybe she just decided to believe him. That whatever was about to happen, she was gonna be okay. When do you think she realized that she hadn't accidentally found herself in this situation, but she'd actually been chosen for it? Because when you know that you're chosen, that's when you know that you're loved. And when you're loved, well, That gives you the kind of confidence you need to walk through doors everyone else wouldn't dare go through. But Mary dared. She dared to trust God as she watched him give life, then give it up for our sakes. And it all, in the unforgettable miracles and the very scary moments, she trusted his will rather than demanded answers, walked forward instead of turned back, stepped out instead of hit. Kind of makes you want to be like that little girl, huh? So do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. Christmas is a mission of love. I was surprised to see that the word love doesn't appear in Matthew or in Luke when they're describing the birth of Jesus Christ. Of course, the whole story is a story of love, and that's what we're going to celebrate today. I love the way the actress so 
clearly portrays Mary a little bit with her perspective. But of course, we have no idea how her parents reacted. We have no idea uh, how anybody reacted to the news other than Joseph, who was afraid and then was assured that Mary was indeed pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and that the Son of God was going to be born to her. I love the line when she said, when you know that you're chosen and loved, it gives you courage. It helps you to walk forward. And, and, and that just really resonated with me as I was watching that video. Not only do we have a hope that we hold unswerving to, we have love that we can rely on. And of course, the scripture clearly says it. God is love. In First in John, God is love. John, in fact, never identifies himself in the gospel of John. He only identifies himself as the one whom Jesus loved. So he really is the gospel writer of love. And as I was doing a little word study on love, I discovered that there are 11 Hebrew words translated love, but two are of prominence. And, and the first one is ahab, and it's used 220 times. This is a very broad word, ahab. It, it can mean the love of God, it can mean the love of a man for a prostitute. I mean, it goes to all the gamuts, and it is used in the scriptures effectively in calling us uh, to love God and that he loves us. But the word that is most prominent, 245 times, is the word hesed. And hesed is that unique love of God. It is a precise love of God. The King James Version translates it loving kindness. And I think that's a great description because there is this kindness, there is this mercy. God is the all-powerful one and he loves us who are weak. And then he loves us who are sinners. When it says in Exodus that God is abounding in love, it uses the term hesed. He is abounding in hesed. There's never a time when he runs out. He always has more hesed for us. Psalm 136, 26 times says, his hesed is forever lasting. You can know and rely on his love. And it was his love that made covenant with Abraham and then with the nation in the Old Testament. It's, it's just a beautiful, rich word. In the New Testament, there are only two words, two verbs translated love. And um, one is phileo, and that only appears 25 times. It, it speaks of love with relationship. It speaks of love within friends and family and those kinds of things. Actually, John does use it to describe God, the Father's love for his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a strong word, but it's not as strong as the one we're more perhaps familiar with, agape. And agape appears 71, 72 out of 140 times in the, in the writings of John in the New Testament. And the noun appears 30 times out of 116 times. So John really is the one who tells us the most about agape. It nearly became a Christian word. It was used in secular writings, but it has such strength of will. It is a decision to love. It is a commitment to love. It goes beyond just feelings. Uh, one uh, writer I look at is W.E. Vine, and he says this about agape. Christian love 
whether expressed toward the brethren or toward men generally, is not an impulse from the feelings. It does not always run with the natural inclinations, nor does it spend itself only upon those from whom some affinity is discovered. It is a very sacrificial love. It's a very unconditional love. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful word. 1 John 4.19 says, we love, we have the capacity to love like this because he first loved us. See, that, that, that's the beauty. This agape love is a fruit of the Spirit because you and I can't buy it. We can't go to cemetery and learn it. You know, we can't learn it from others. I mean, we see it in others in this, but we, we have to have God in us who loves us to really experience this love. And it comes by faith, of course, in the Savior. So today... We trace the golden thread of love in Jesus' mission to earth. You say, Pastor, you bit off more than you can chew. That's true. So for the next three hours, we're going to talk about love. Oh, my. We could spend three years, 30 years. You know, I don't know if you knew this. There was an evangelist uh, who had a long career. The only text he ever had was John 3.16. He never had another text. So we're going to think about God's love. And it begins with preeminent love. The love of the Father to the Son. You remember at his baptism in Matthew 3, 17, God the Father just can't hold himself back. After his son is baptized, he says, hey, this is my boy. You know, this is my son. They hear the voice of the Father declaring, this is my son whom I love. My beloved son, my, my one and only son, and with him I am well pleased. He is well pleased. He takes pleasure and finds satisfaction in his son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews expands on this a little. Let me just read a little portion from Hebrews 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. This is Jesus. Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll and the prophecies. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, the sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though... They were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There is a perfect love relationship between the Father the Son, and the Spirit. It's perfect. It's eternal. There's no jealousy. There's no competition. There, there's no backbiting or gossip. Anything like that. There's absolutely perfect coordination, cooperation between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. They're all three persons equally God, and they have a perfect love relationship. It is preeminent. Look, 
The father couldn't stop himself at the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus Christ revealed himself in all his glory to Peter and James and John. You remember Peter says, let's stay here. Like he wanted to just stay up on the mountain. But at the same precise moment as they see him in all his brilliance and all his glory, what he looks like today in his glorified resurrected body, why are we still speaking? A bright cloud covered them, picturing the father and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Wow, that's just such a beautiful expression of the father's love to the son. When Peter thinks about this, many, many years later, the last letter we have that Peter wrote before he gave his life for Christ. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The Father loves the Son. He loves him. He always has, he always will. The Son loves the Father. He always has, he always will. If you keep my commands, John 15, 10, you will remain in my love. This is what Jesus said to his apostles. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So how did the son express his love for the father? He obeyed his father's commands. There's perfect submission there. By the way, when Jesus walked on the earth, he also obeyed the leading of the spirit. Again, perfect cooperation and a perfect love relationship clearly displayed for us. I mean, we could meditate on this for a long, long time, more than the three hours we're gonna spend. I mean, honestly, this is an incredible love relationship between the Father and the Son. Look at this from John 10. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Jesus went to the cross, yes, and we'll get there, because he loves us. But primarily he went to the cross because he loved the Father. And that was the Father's will. And the Father loved the Son. And the Son and the Father love the Spirit, and the Spirit loves the Father's eye. There's this perfect, beautiful love relationship. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. And again, John 17, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. It all leads to glory. The celebration of who God is, the revelation of all his perfections. Because glory is really the weightiness of God. The Old Testament word um, means weighty. God is heavy. You know, he's heavy in his love and his mercy and his grace and all these things that he is showing. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the Father has no problem glorifying the Son. The Son has no problem glorifying the Father. Again, there's no competition. So, it's just a beautiful love relationship, and it's astounding. The Father and the Son, they love the Spirit too. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another counselor, the way Jesus was to the apostles, to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit who came and was revealed at Pentecost, 
The third person of the Godhead is indeed sent by the Father and the Son. And again, he's not griping about it. Oh, I got to go down there with them. I got to live in them. No. There's this love relationship. There's this perfect relationship. And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. That's the spirit glorifying the son. Putting the spotlight on the son. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is just an astounding love relationship. It really is. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to even say in words. It, it's beyond words, isn't it? And the beauty of salvation is that God so loves within the persons of the Godhead that he wants us to be invited into that love relationship. We actually, Peter says, participate in the divine nature. So, the preeminent love is that sacred trinity, there's mutual love and willingness to glorify each other. Our salvation expresses this preeminent love. And, and that might be eye-opening to you. It's eye-opening to me when I was visiting it again. The primary reason for salvation is the love relationship that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have. And they wanted to invite us in. And so it continues with what I'm calling today progressive love. It's not the pro most precise theological term, but it fits, I think. Progressive love. God loves the world. His love to us. He took the first step. How many of us would say, oh, I was searching for God really hard when I came to faith? Not too many. There are a few rare souls that are like that. I wasn't like that. I was actually shocked when he revealed his love to me. And, and what a beautiful expression of his love, progressive love. For God so loved the world, the people in the world, the sinners in the world. He loves everyone he's ever created and ever will create. He loves them. He loves them with agape love. It's a complete, eternal package. He loves the world. And he gave. He took action. He gave. He's the only one that could give this gift. And he gave it. His only begotten or divine, unique son. That whoever believes. I want to ask you a question. Are you a whoever? Guess what? You are. Anybody you ever meet or ever will meet is a whoever. That's why the possibility is open to everyone. That's the beauty of it. Whoever believes in him. Believes and keeps believing in him. Not just about him, but in him. A commitment to him. A trusting relationship with him. Will, shall, not perish guaranteed shall not perish if someone believed on Jesus and perishes the whole thing falls apart it will not happen 
It will not happen. Will not perish, but has, present tense, eternal life. And eternal life is a relationship with God. That's the way Jesus described it in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. It's a relationship with God. See, he's inviting us in to this love relationship. And so the next verse says very clearly, and, and we really read it this morning because sometimes we forget the importance of this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He could have. He could have just sent him to condemn all of us. And he still would have been just. But he wanted to display his love. So he sent his son to save the world through him. And Jesus' whole life was about this. John 13, 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And he washed their feet. But really, that's just the beginning, right? I mean, the greatest display of his love is at the cross. And then when he rises again, this is the greatest display of his love for us. Sinners. And this is progressive because it's going to expand. John, Romans, Paul says the same thing. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How many of us were sinners when he died? All of us who had ever been created or ever would be created. We were all sinners. We're in rebellion. We're shaking our fist at him. But he still loves us. And he demonstrates his love through his Son. So, this progressive love, 1 John 4, 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Again, that sounds a lot like Romans 5, 8. And this matter of sending is, is really important. In fact, you could do a whole Christmas series on the word sent in the Gospel of John. I've done it. I know you can he sent him. He sent him officially as the Savior. It's the same verb that's used to describe apostles. Sent as official emissaries to represent the Father. That's Jesus came and he was sent. And then this is, becomes a big theme. I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe in the one he sent. And he's saying that to a crowd that did not believe on him. But this matter of sending and acknowledging that the Father really sent his Son is the theme of our unity. This is what unites us together. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. And then later in that great prayer in John 17, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. The same unity between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is now our unity with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This is amazing. This is profound theological truth. That's why we're going to spend three hours to talk about it. I'm going to hear about this. I shouldn't be saying that. Anyway, I've given them the glory you gave me, 
that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. <laughs> Probably only realized in eternity, but guaranteed. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It is progressive love. It is a beautiful, loving relationship. And so the definition that John gives us, this is love, not that we loved God. That's the most reasonable thing in the world. We should love the most wonderful person in all the universe. We should love him. <laughs> but that's not what's so amazing. That's not what's so remarkable about agape love. It's that he loved us. And once again, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That's the NIV translation. I like the old word that's used in other translations, propitiation. I like it because I can't spell it. So I think it's a great word, right? Propitiation. It means that Jesus Christ bore the wrath that we deserved. That's such love. He bore the wrath for my sins. And it's personal. Take it personal. I know when I came to faith in Christ at age 17, that's one of the things that just hit me so hard. He died for me. He didn't just die for the whole world and I'm in the world, so he must have. No, he paid the penalty I personally owe to a righteous and holy God for our sins. Always plural, because <laughs> we've committed more than one. The greatest expression of his love is at the cross. This is God's gift to everyone in the whole world. It's an appropriate gift. It fits everybody you'll ever know or meet. That's why it's the greatest gift. You will never meet anyone who doesn't need to hear about this gift. You'll never meet anyone who doesn't need to receive this gift personally. It's just such an incredible gift, an expression of God's great love. But it doesn't end there, okay? It continues with progressive love. It is fulfilled in projected love. Again, not the most theologically precise term, but it was a P term, so I used it. Projected love. God wants to love others through us. He is not just satisfied to love us. And by the way, we shouldn't be satisfied to just experience his love. He wants to love others through us. Wow. Wow. Dear friends, the next verse is in 1 John 4. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The verb to make complete means hit the target, reach the goal. You see, God is loving others through us. Really? But I'm so weak. I'm so needy. I'm so sinful. Yeah, even you. Even me. That's why it's a miracle. When we actually love others with a agape love the way he's telling us here, it's just got to be of God because it can't be from us. It can't be from us altogether. It's God at work in us. All the capability to love others is because he first loved us. We love because of that. 
A new command I give you. Love one another, Jesus said. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's new about it? Heavens, the Old Testament talks about loving others. What is really new about it? As I have loved you. The highest standard, the highest model ever of this agape love was demonstrated by Jesus Christ and lived out in front of his apostles and others in that day. And for us, he loves us, so we ought to love one another. Wow. No wonder it's brand new. It's a whole new standard, and it's only possible. I mean, Jesus said, love your enemies. How can I love my enemies except that God does the work in me to enable me to love my enemies? It's one thing to love wonderful people like you. And I find some people are really hard to love. You probably say that about me. That's all right. I get it. I feel that way about me sometimes. And what do I do when I'm struggling to love? I run to Jesus. I look to the cross. I say, Lord, if you can love me, I can love that person. I can love that one. And God will enable us to do it. That's what's so amazing. That's what's so wonderful. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The sacred chain of love is now completed through us. What a plan God had. Not just to have his preeminent love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but also to progressively love by inviting us in by sending his son who died for us and rose again and then projecting that love to others through us. Oh, wonderful. Every once in a while, I have a firework in the fog. You know, I say something that's really good and I don't even know where it came from sometimes. And I remember years ago, I'm sitting and I'm preaching on love and, and I said this. The one who knows you the best loves you the most. And I had a lady come up to me who will be single all her life, and she struggles with that. And she said, Pastor, I've never heard that before, but that means so much to me. The one who knows me the best with all my sin, with all my grief, with all my hang-ups, loves me the most. What a blessing. This mission of Jesus to come to the earth was a mission of love. And uh, I kind of enjoy Max Licato's outline for John 3.16. He loved, he gave, we believe, we receive. It's really that simple. But it's also that profound. So I ask you, have you believed? I mean, his love is there. His gift is there. But have you believed? You must choose to believe. You're not born with this faith. You must choose to believe on Christ and then receive the gift of eternal life. This is assured to us. It frees us to love others, not expecting repayment from others, just loving them because that's the way he loved us. So remember the pattern he chose us intentionally and directly, then he says, follow me.
And when God asks us to move, we can move forward in faith knowing he moved first. So the next time you're having a hard time moving forward, probably this afternoon, remember he has gone before us and he is for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for loving one another. And that that great love, that perfect love, motivated you to reach out and love us and invite us into this beautiful love relationship that we call eternal life that will never end. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible, indescribable, strong and eternal love and help us having experienced that ourselves to not selfishly hold on to it but generously give it away to others in jesus name amen you've been listening to audio from fellowship community church in centennial colorado if you'd like more resources or want to support this ministry please visit www.fcchurch.org